You're listening to the Tripping Off Podcast. Why is it that some people seem to be bullied more than others? Why do some people make good first impressions and others don't? Does this mean that there are ways to make hypnotic suggestions without even opening your mouth? The answer is yes. My name is Jesse Lyon, and today I'm going to show you how. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Tripping Off Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you can join us. Um, I've got actually something very exciting today. Uh, I always try and make these podcasts very practical because I know that I have a tendency to get a little bit off into space, uh, and sometimes uh, I lose even myself. (laughs) Uh, But You know, I had someone on Instagram, they sent me a little message and they were asking about bullying and their, their comment was that they really believed deep down that bullying was going to stop at high school, high school, middle school. It's nonsense. Everyone's weird. Your body's growing. People make fun of you, but hopefully that stops when you're an adult, right? Well, Oftentimes, that's not the case. And probably many of you listening to this have felt personally attacked uh, <laughs> at times and bullied. And what is going on? You know, we think that this is going to stop in, in high school, but it continues. So I'm not going to talk about bullying, but it did get me thinking about why. Why does bullying happen? And how is it that we can change ourselves? Or what even is it about certain people that unconsciously they get picked on more than others? Not that they perceive they get picked on or bullied more than others, but why is it that certain people seem to be the targeting of bullying, the target of bullying? Uh, And I want to make one thing very clear. Uh, As I go through this whole topic that I want to discuss, uh, because I feel it's very important and can be very beneficial to a lot. Um, I don't want anyone to feel blamed. Bullying and mean things and trauma is not deserved by anyone. And there is no amount of action that a person can do that makes it okay for someone to hurt that person. So I want to make that very clear. There is no victim blaming, no victim shaming in this at all. However, Somebody asked me the question, and I think it's an amazing topic to bring up. And so what is it that we project unconsciously? What are the projections as human beings that we give off into the world? Why is it that some people make great first impressions and some people do not? Let's dive in. The first thing we need to discuss is an understanding of the interactions between human beings, right? Social dynamics. Let's start there. What is it uh, about the interactions between one human being and another uh, that that makes them go, that that makes them work or not work, be positive or negative? I think for this topic in particular, we need to understand one thing. Isolation and loneliness are two of the most scary things you can imagine as a person. Because think about it. now, in, in today's society and culture, it's, it's not super scary to be alone and by yourself or to feel isolated. It still is. But think about it in comparison to like, like caveman days, right? If you're alone, you're going to die. <laughs> and I, I laugh a little bit because it seems 
uh, rough, but it was rough. It, if you were alone and didn't have anyone to count on or be there for you or or watch your back while you slept and then you watch their back while they sleep, you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. That's just kind of how it worked. And so the, the reason that human beings have survived is because of our ability to interact and connect one with another in deep, personal, and intimate ways. We are able not only to understand uh, that I do this for you, you do this for me, but I can feel when someone's happy. I can feel when someone's sad and feel happy and sad with them. That's incredible. And, and no animal does that the way that human beings do. It's our superpower. So being that it's our superpower, it is a point of energy that has a lot of sensitivity in people. And so when we are alone or isolated, that can be a source of energy and emotion that is stronger and more painful than almost anything else. And we have to understand that first. We have to understand and validate that loneliness and isolation is incredibly painful. And it's painful because we're hardwired that way. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. If you're alone, it feels as though you're dying because back in the day, I'm talking like 5,000 BC day, <laughs> if anyone can remember back that far. <laughs> but back then, it meant you were going to die. And so we have to understand that even though we live in the world that we live in now, uh, and maybe it's more pertinent to 2020 than any time uh, in the past 100 years, loneliness and isolation still carries that level of intensity. That's what we have to understand first. So, okay, loneliness, isolation, foundational here in this conversation. And it brings me to the second point here. Now that we understand loneliness and isolation, we have to understand dominance and hierarchy structuring among individuals, human beings, the way they relate to one another. The leader of a group of people is going to be the one who is strong enough and brave enough to face loneliness and isolation. That's kind of how the structure works. And so the, the perception is those people that are strongest are the ones that are, well, more capable of handling and more apt to endure the feelings of loneliness and isolation. That's how unconsciously we as human beings determine which one of us is stronger. That's why you see like movie stars and, and rock stars who wear these outrageous outfits and, you know, different things. Uh, they, they live these lives that are different. We perceive them as leaders, avant-garde, as uh, uh, ones who push the boundaries, push the envelope. They're, they're inventors because they are willing to go beyond normal conventions that most of us probably well, not that we couldn't, but we don't want to because it hurts. It feels like death. <laughs> That's how we kind of decide. And whether we know that consciously or unconsciously, it's hardwired in us to perceive that in our interactions with other people. But I get ahead of myself. In order to understand how we get to that point of choosing our leaders, we have to understand the way that the brain works. The brain, the human mind, first and foremost, is a pattern recognition machine. It is incredibly powerful at catching, capturing, and organizing data and information into patterns that can be used for self-continuation, for sustenance. It keeps you safe 
by seeing patterns. And uh, we even do that in the things that we do for fun, like puzzles and, you know, crossword puzzles and the different things like that. We enjoy using our mind to recognize patterns. In fact, it's fun. It's enjoyable because that's kind of what the brain's really good at. And let's break that down to make it very practical. By recognizing patterns, we have always kept ourselves safe. For example, uh, if I touch poison ivy as, you know, an ooga booga uh, caveman, and then my hand uh, gets red and swollen, I'm going to be like, ooh, I'm recognizing a pattern. I don't want to touch that anymore. It was not pleasant. <laughs> and we do that with a lot of things. If I notice that when I put seeds in the ground later, they sprout into plants that I can eat, ooh, helpful pattern. File that one away for later. That's the kind of power that the brain has. Pattern recognition software. And patterns equal safety. So number one, human brain pattern recognition software. Number two, patterns equal safety. If I can predict something and I can know what's going to happen with it before it even happens, I can keep myself safe. Or I can use that to better my life. If I know that going to work Monday through Friday uh, will get me a paycheck, and then I can use that paycheck to buy groceries and pay my rent, I'm going to keep going to work, even if I don't like it, because I'm able to predict and keep myself safe from the future because I have a pattern that I can adhere to. And that's pretty darn convenient. <laughs> that's the power of the brain. And that's why we've been able to survive. Okay, so we got one, right? We have our social interactions and our fear of loneliness and isolation, and we have our pattern recognition software that lives inside our cranium. When we merge those together, we get a consistency in relationships equals safe relationships. Ah, you see, you see where we're going here? Follow with me. We're, we're getting somewhere here. When I am able to interact with somebody in a predictable way and establish a pattern of uh, connection with them, I'm able to kind of fulfill two of my basic needs. I'm able to have connection with another human being, and so I'm able to therefore stave off feelings of loneliness, and I'm able to keep myself safe because I've entered into a pattern that is recognizable, predictable, and consistent. Ah, man, we're just, we're traveling along. This is, <laughs> this is very enjoyable. Yeah, now I've got I've got a connection and a relationship, and I've got safety. How? I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Okay. See, now we're now we're kind of understanding here. The second part from these two being put together, we have to understand, is that is how leadership is determined. That's how we get to the structuring of social interactions. If I can find a person that I feel consistent and connected to, who is not afraid to be alone, and who is strong enough to face the leadership isolation that takes place when someone's in leadership, I'm going to connect with that person or even feel drawn to connect with that person because it makes me feel safe, right? I know that they're consistent. I know that they're connectable. I'm able to relate to them and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is why, think about it. This is why we have all the stories, all the myths, all the legends about knights and soldiers and heroes. What do they always do? King Arthur goes off, he slays the dragon. He's got his table of round men, but he's the leader because he's willing to go places 
that other people are not willing to go because he's willing to face isolation and danger in ways that other people are not. In ways that, well, people, other people, at least, at the, at the very least, are not willing to. Maybe they could if they wanted to, but eh, is it worth the trouble? Well, King Arthur was. That's why he's a winsome leader. People are pretty naturally pain-avoidant and relational. And so they're going to look for somebody who can take the place of their need to confront pain. Okay? So if I'm able to find somebody like a King Arthur, right? And I'm just picking on him for now. But if I'm able to find someone like a King Arthur who is kind of cool with going out and slaying the dragon, that's better for me because I don't got to get up off the couch and fight the dragon now. That's, that's pretty that's a pretty good arrangement okay like okay so you you be the leader you be the king get all the accolades and i don't have to face dragons Pfft, deal <laughs> i'll take it and and that's kind of how leadership sort of develops at least this part of leadership i mean i'm sure there's a lot and i know there's a lot of things that go into this but this is this is a piece that's important for our greater discussion about bullying and social structure that's a very winsome argument. If I can have somebody who's going to take care of my safety and be consistent, that's a person I'm going to want to be friends with. Whether I think about that consciously or it's just an unconscious desire to get closer to them. That's how it works. So, so let's fast forward to the year today, right? Let's fast forward to you sitting in your car or you know sitting on the couch listening to a podcast through your phone or whatever. The same principles apply, even though they're a little bit different based on our society, because human beings basically don't change. We're the same type of creatures, whether we're holding cell phones in our hands or sticks in our hands. Here's the correlation. If you're somebody who does not have a consistent story that plays in your head, if you are not playing a consistent role in the story of your life, it's going to be difficult for people to relate with you. It's going to be difficult for people to feel safe and connected with you. And that, I think, is the real reason that some people get bullied and some people do not. Let me continue to explain this for a minute because I don't want this to be misunderstood. Again, it's not about blaming, but if I can, and not me, but if a bully can put someone else down and and push them and pressure them and show dominance over them, that's a consistency that is going to be attractive for them and is going to make them look good in front of other people. And so a bully is going to look for someone that they can consistently put down and is not a huge threat. Because again, remember, people are naturally pain avoidant and relational. They need to relate and they need to avoid pain. So if a bully can consistently put someone else down to avoid their own pain and demonstrate a place of dominance and command in the social hierarchy, that's going to be something they're attracted to unconsciously. Again, not excusing them because, well, butthole people deserve uh, butthole consequences. But <laughs> anyway, that's, that's kind of the crux of it though, right? Is the social hierarchy of uh, safety, patterns, relationships, loneliness. You get it, okay? So that's that's all fine and dandy, but what do we do with this information? It's, it's great to know why people get bullied. 
but how can we do something about that? Well, first, bullies need to be put in their place, and there's no room in my brain for bullies. Uh, I don't tolerate that kind of thing. I'm not okay with it. There's going to be bullying type of behavior, and I'm, I know that's never going to be totally eradicated in the world. Uh, but I want to make it clear that first, uh, the bully needs to be put in their place. However, if we kind of say that's already been taken care of, how can we be stronger individuals and move towards health? That's the part I, as a hypnotherapist and therapist, am really interested in. So follow with me. I'm going to give you some very specific examples and explanations for what you can do to kind of have some of that consistency and have some of that uh, positivity in your life and move toward a place of health. Let's talk about it. Number one, very simple, stand up straight. There's a lot of unconscious suggestions that take place when somebody slouching, has bad posture. So stand up straight, push your shoulders back, put your chest out. Not as uh, intimidation for other people, but show that, you know, your spine is of good quality. <laughs> Even if your spine's not of good quality, uh, go to the chiropractor, do what you got to do, and do your best to stand up straight and show that you have confidence, courage, strength, both of mind and physiology to at least occupy, if not dominate, the space that you're in. It's very important. You know, somebody who is a natural leader or naturally winsome in a leadership position will usually stand pretty tall, uh, whether that is physically they are tall or they just have good posture. It really does a lot to communicate unconsciously uh, who they are without even saying a word. And that's what these examples and um, these suggestions are going to be. It's how to suggest unconsciously to those around you without even saying a word. And that's number one, stand up straight. Number two, take control of your physical space, right? So, okay, let's say you got shoulders back, you're standing up straight, you know, you're, you're demonstrating that you're able to keep your head high and erect and be alert of your surroundings, which is important for leadership. But two, take control of your physical space. Somebody who feels confident and is not timid and, furthermore, therefore able to keep other people safe and be a good leader is not afraid to control the physical environment. Notice I say physical environment. I'm not talking about control and manipulate other people because though that may come across as a good leader, that's not a good leader. We're not talking about manipulation here. And that's very much the same reason why hypnotherapy is not manipulation. It is positive suggestion and help. But taking control of physical space is very important. So when taking control of physical space, I'm talking about things like uh, get comfortable when you sit down. Find a spot in the room that's going to be uh, beneficial to you. Don't worry about other people. If other people need to make themselves comfortable, they can talk with you or they can ask for help, right? That Let them take care of themselves and you take care of yourself. If something is too loud or too bright, turn it down. Something is not bright enough or not loud enough, turn it up. Showing confidence in your ability to take control of the physical environment is key. Uh, if not, I mean, just to being a human being, also very much key to being a hypnotherapist. If you ever see um, like a stage magician, right? If you ever see a stage magician who is doing a hypnotism act, um, oftentimes they will command the person, uh, sit here, do this, and they'll move the chair around and do certain things. That may seem arbitrary, but it's actually very important. They're taking control of the physical environment, which unconsciously communicates dominance, trust, and control. And that's really what people are looking for. They're looking for that safety and control uh, of the other person so they know they can trust them. 
I mean, if someone's not in control of the physical environment, how can I trust them to keep me safe from the physical environment? I mean, it makes sense, right? Are you following along? Awesome. So that's important. You know, turn the lights down, changing the thermostat. You know, maybe that's why my dad always kept the thermostat at a certain range. <laughs> he was subconsciously giving me uh, suggestions that he was in control. I don't know. <laughs> Something to think about. Actually, that's more the stereotypical uh, idea of the American dad, right? Like in control of the thermostat. He controls the environment. A uh, little cliche, little uh, sexist, but okay. It's a good example. Don't be afraid of that though. Take control of your physical environment. Don't manipulate people. But like I said, if you're sitting and taking up a very small portion of the couch uh, because you're nervous and worried, that's going to come across unconsciously to other people that are looking at you. Great. Number three, make confident eye contact. And you don't have to overdo it, right? Don't stare somebody down because that can be a little bit pushy. But be confident with where your eyes are looking. If somebody's eyes are shifting left and right and up and down and looking around or looking at the floor, it's going to communicate unconsciously that they are nervous, they are scared, they are anxious, and therefore unable to keep others safe or themselves safe. They're in a state of fight or flight already. How am I supposed to trust them? See what I'm saying? There's actually also some interesting stuff um, about hypnotherapy and... uh, when we say someone's lying, we say they're shifty-eyed, right? You've heard that before, maybe? The reason we do that is um, actually somebody who shifts their eyes from left to right, um, they're accessing the different hemispheres of the brain. And one hemisphere is really good at inventing new information. And one hemisphere is really good at recalling information. And actually, subconsciously, unconsciously, we will look toward the hemisphere of the brain, like we'll look off to the right or look off to the left, that we're accessing at that time. And so if someone's shifty-eyed, they're actually accessing both sides of their brain, the part that invents and the part that remembers. And so you can kind of tell they're lying. That's why maintaining confident and calm eye contact is so important because a liar, someone who is inventing, is recalling what actually happened and then creating a new reality. So they're looking left, looking right, looking left, looking right. And that's why unconsciously we feel that they're not trustworthy. You may have had this feeling with people that you've met or friends uh, without even knowing it. You're just like, man, I don't feel like they're telling the truth. Next time, pay attention to the eyes because that might have been what you were looking at. So a little, little tidbit there for you. But number three, make confident eye contact. It's super important. Number four, speak clearly and directly. A, a master of the English language of communication will be able to effectively and clearly communicate their points, and that is the mark of a good leader. Somebody who can communicate and pass on information effectively is going to be someone that you're going to want to trust because they are going to be able to tell you the things that are important when they're the most needed. Very, very important to project that and to demonstrate that in order to establish confidence in relationships and leadership with the people that you connect with. Very, very important. Number five. I think we're on five. Are we on five? Okay. And, you know, maybe, maybe we'll stop here. We'll get to more some other time. But number five is maintain calm. And this, I think, we're going to spend a little bit of time on because to me, I know I saved it for last, but it might be the most important maintain calm. Why is that so important? Well, it's important because falling too far on either side of the spectrum is not going to be very helpful. 
if you become too aggressive and angry, people aren't going to be able to really trust you. People are going to feel like, wow, this person, whether they think it consciously or not, they're going to be unconsciously thinking, this person is very dominant and aggressive. Why do they need to be so dominant and aggressive? They must be afraid of something deep down. They are too afraid of losing power, too afraid of their own weakness, too afraid of the outside world that they have to be aggressive and angry all the time. Ah, it's not a kind of person I want to get close to. And that'll happen to people. And it's unfortunate because they may not know why it's happening to them. And other people might not know why they can't connect with this person, but it's because of that unconscious reason. Unconsciously, they're projecting fear and weakness. I mean, we all know, maybe we don't know, anger is a secondary emotion. It always, 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 anger covers up fear and pain. And so if someone's always angry, that means they're afraid and painful. And whether we know that consciously or maybe we just know it unconsciously because our unconscious mind's smarter. We're going to feel that desire to move away from them because of those things. The other side is just as true as well, where if somebody's too anxious, nervous, they're also going to feel and be perceived as weak and not someone that's trustworthy. Again, remember, connection, patterns, and safety If somebody is nervous and anxious, they're not going to be able to project a consistent pattern and therefore going to be a little bit nervous about connecting with them, right? And so, well, maybe therefore the subject of being bullied because uh, it makes other people uneasy and that uneasiness, well, if someone's hasn't done a lot of work on themselves, they can end up bullying that person because they're nervous and anxious and therefore weak. And so, well, it can, it can kind of lead to bad social dynamics. Again, not blaming, but I mean, if we're really going to look at it, what is it that causes some people to get bullied? Well, it's that anxiousness and nervousness comes across as weak. And so people take advantage of that, unfortunately, to demonstrate their own feelings of weakness. And you can see kind of how this is a cyclical, um, just, just, bowl of nonsense (laughs) one to the other somebody who's angry and overly dominant is feeling weak inside and so when they see somebody weak because they feel weak they're going to try and dominate the weak because they don't feel the confidence and strength to dominate or show control over somebody who is stronger so those who are you know calm level-headed even and able to maintain that calm they're not really going to get messed with as much because they're looking for the weak ones. And here's here's something else to think about. Everybody gets picked on, right? So I'm not saying that by doing these things, you guarantee your safety from being bullied. In fact, the only thing that I can guarantee is that everyone's going to get picked on. Everyone's going to have haters. And in fact, you can tell who the leaders are because they have a bunch of haters. Uh, they have a bunch of haters because those who are angry and feeling weak inside will lash out against those demonstrations of strength because it makes them feel unsettled. And so you got two extremes here. Those who are very confident in themselves will get bullied and those who are very unconfident of themselves will get bullied because the bully who feels weak is angry at the other person's strength and angry at that person's weakness because they also feel weak. It's like a representation of themselves. And so they're lashing out against themselves, against this weak individual, someone who's anxious individual, because that's what they feel on the inside. And again, it's no excuse. Like they need to fix that and they need to, you know, whatever it is is going on, like they need to work through that and and develop some of that confidence in themselves where they don't have to bully others. So 
that is some some really practical examples for what's kind of going on, how to demonstrate some confidence and some uh, some greater self self assuredness in the interactions that we have with other people. It's going to be really important. If you want not only just the practical examples, but here's a here's a simple way to put all these into effect, right? Think about the story and the character that you play in your story. That's going to be more important than anything. Because if in your head you're playing a supporting role in your own story, it's not going to be a winsome story. I mean, really, if we're talking about hypnotherapy and hypnosis, um, what we're doing as hypnotherapists is not manipulating people, but giving them a suggestion, hey, you can be more in your story than what you think you are already. I see you, I hear you, I feel the pain that you're feeling, and I recognize that you're feeling that pain because you're playing a supporting role and you're, you're not treating yourself respectfully in your own head. Come with me, listen to my voice, follow with me, and I'll give you an example and show you what it could feel like to be the hero in your own story. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's what hypnotherapy is all about. And so I know I'm giving practical examples, but more than anything, these practical examples will all fall into place if we can develop and nourish and cherish the story and the character that we're playing in our own minds. And so I I encourage you, if uh, you're feeling anxious, if you feel bullied, a hero, King Arthur, or, you know, the princess in the story doesn't let the evil stepsisters get to her, doesn't let the dragon get to him. You know, if some dude along the road says, hey, King Arthur, your nose looks funny. He doesn't care. He's freaking King Arthur, man. You know, Cinderella is Cinderella. She's, you know, turns into uh, turns into the queen of the whole kingdom. She doesn't care about that. No one's making fun of her because she has blonde hair instead of brunette hair. It's arbitrary, right? And so I would encourage you, you know, if you're thinking about some of these things, if you're struggling with some of these things, really sit down and, and think to yourself, what are the characters that you often identify with in movies, in stories? Are you identifying with the supportive characters? Are you identifying with the secondary characters? Because that may be an indication that in your mind, you're not the hero to your own story. And if we're not the hero to our own story, I don't know who's going to be. Because you're strong enough, you can do this, and you are uniquely gifted to be the hero and heroine of your own story. And that's a beautiful thing. And so... Well, I, I just hope that's encouraging. Uh, I know that it can be difficult, and I, I validate and respect your journey. Any of you who are listening to this and, and following along with me as I talk about these things, and hopefully it stimulates your mind, and hopefully it makes you feel heard and understood and confident in yourself and gives you some things to benefit your life, because that's just my whole goal here. And so I just want to encourage you. I know this is tough, but the path to health is not away from anxiety, it's through it. And so if you spend a lot of your life avoiding and feeling burdened and feeling weighed down by the things that people have said or the the malicious comments that people make, let me guarantee you, people will always make dumb comments because people are dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just the truth. People will always make dumb comments, but you're stronger than hiding from them. You can face them. And whatever anxiety it is that's going on in your life, I know you can see that and feel that and let your body 
give you those anxiety feelings because it's telling you, hey, here's something that's making us anxious. We need to work through this thing. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it because you're strong enough. So I hope I hope that's been helpful. I love whoever it was. Maybe I shout them out uh, on my on my Instagram. Go check me out there. Um, thank you so much for the amazing idea to talk about the unconscious implications of being bullied and where all that comes from and how to be the hero of your own story. Because oh man, that's that's so important. And if more people could hear that, that's great. Please hey, share this with a friend that you feel like needs it. Uh, I'm so happy that you've come along on this journey with me. I hope you feel uh, uplifted and encouraged. Uh, find me on Instagram. Send me some comments there. I love reacting to your questions and the different things about hypnotherapy and dreams over on there. Uh, it's Lion Mental Health, L-Y-O-N, Mental Health. Uh, you can find us uh, traumafocusedhypnotherapy.com if you're interested in any of the trainings uh, about how to be a hypnotherapist and what that's all about. We've got some free stuff on there as well. Uh, but yeah, just let's make that social circle a little bit closer. It's all we got. And I'm so grateful for each one of you who listens, uh, interact with me on the internet. I live for that stuff. Take care, y'all. I'll see you again real soon.